On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk outlines his plan to run a much tighter ship at Tesla as Model 3 production ramps up. Plus, good news for Tesla in China, more good news about the long-term battery health in Tesla vehicles, and more. Howdy friends, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This is episode 142 for April 22nd, 2018. Joining me as always, the snoozing, as as usual, <laughs> Daisy the Boxer Puppy. We had our very last puppy playgroup session at the SPCA uh, this evening. They're basically uh, professionally supervised dog park hours, uh, which has been great for her just to, to improve her socialization skills because... Boxers, if you're not familiar, you know they they have uh, typically, at least in the U.S., no tails because the tails are docked at uh, at birth, and they're super paw focused. And so, not every dog really understands or likes the way boxers play. So, uh, I really, really wanted to focus with her as a puppy on on trying to socialize her as best I can. And it's been great. I'm really sad I won't get to go anymore, but she is now exhausted after a very fun playtime. Anyway, uh, it's been a busy week once again in the world of Tesla. Uh, lots more invites going out. Another another wave went out this week, including to my coworker, Todd. I want to congratulate him on his upcoming silver Model 3 with the 19-inch sport wheels. That is going to look really sharp. I have to say, anecdotally, this is purely anecdotally, and what's interesting is when I was talking to Todd about this, asking him what color he was going with, he said the same thing before I had a chance to say it, and that's, anecdotally, I feel like I am seeing a lot of the uh, metallic silver, the the dark gray color on the Model 3. It's, I know I don't have any science or data (laughs) to back that up, but just anecdotally here in the San Francisco Bay Area, I feel like it is a very, very common color on the Model 3s that I see. And, it, and it's a great color. It looks really good on the Model 3. Uh, in fact, I would say the standard silver is probably the least common color that I'm seeing. Just, uh, again, with with no data to back that up. But I, uh, I'm very happy for Todd. He's been waiting a long time as well, as, as many of us have. And I just happened to see a, a silver one parked in my neighborhood recently, and th- it was late afternoon, like, yeah, the sun was going down, I guess it was around 6 p.m., and boy, I had to say, it, it actually, I really, I stopped and looked, because I always look, but th- that silver really looked good in that light, in that, in that uh, late afternoon sunlight, and whereas I feel like, you know, the, the poor silver kind of got a bad rap, in a sense, because... <laughs> The prototype had that brilliant silver $10,000 custom paint job on it. So the the regular old Tesla silver just just can't compete with that. But I really I kind of got a, a newfound appreciation for the the standard Tesla silver when I when I saw this Model 3 parked on the street the other day, but anyway, yeah, another wave of invites going out. Congratulations to all of you that received them. I wanted to start real quick this week with a housekeeping note. So last week, you'll remember I was talking about 
the, the CBS This Morning show that Elon w- participated in and how he talked about too much new tech going into the Model 3. And I was racking my brain a little bit trying to figure out what that is. Well, I got a lot of replies to my comments about that from you guys, both in the Ride the Lightning hotline and, and also on email, some on Twitter as well. And in fact, basically everybody came to the same conclusion, which leads me to believe that you're all that you're all exactly correct. I'm going to let longtime Ride the Lightning caller Lawton from Chicago speak for everybody on the responses I got on this. Lawton, take it away. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to comment on Elon's statement from the CBS Morning Show about being complacent about our core technologies and putting too much new technology into the mouth we all at once. This should have been staged. I think Elon may be referring not just about the technology in the Model 3, but about the technology used in the process to create the Model 3, also known as the Alien Dreadnought Factory. While I think Tesla learned their lessons from Model X by making the Model 3 simpler and easier to build, they may have been too aggressive in thinking that the Dreadnought Factory would be so easy to be able to achieve version 0.5 and with a production of 5,000 cars per week. Previously, automation technology was used on a smaller scale for Model S and X production creating a brand new vehicle in the Model 3 using a brand new production process using exponentially higher levels of technology may have been too much complexity all at once. Based on Elon's comments from the CBS Morning interview and on Twitter, Tesla scaling back somewhat on his use of automation and utilizing more human involvement. The clear path to higher Model 3 production Elon visions may involve improving production bottlenecks with efficiencies from humans and machines alike. While the Elon Dreadnought version 0.5 and beyond will eventually arrive, just like Model 3 production, it probably will involve a time shift of six to nine months. Fortunately, the lessons learned from creating the Elon Dreadnought will allow the Model Y and Tesla Semi to be produced faster and more efficiently. Thanks for your continued support of and dedication to the Tesla community. Look forward to your thoughts. Thank you, Lawton, and to everybody that wrote in on this. I think you are all correct. He almost certainly is indeed referring, that being Elon, referring to too much new tech in the production line, the Alien Dreadnought. So that is being dialed back a little bit, and they will ramp to it eventually. Speaking of Elon Musk, the big news story this week that I want to spend some time going over is Elon Musk's very stern, very no BS letter to employees that was sent out this week and subsequently leaked. Uh, Electric got a hold of it. Others may have as well. I'm not going to read you all of it because it's quite long, but I'm, I am going to confess I'm going to read you most of it because there's not a lot of fluff or filler in there, which you would expect. That's typical Elon Musk. He's, he's not a uh, fluff or filler kind of guy when it comes to his words uh, in both written or spoken. And this email, it is a no BS kind of email. It, it reads to me like something about Model 3 production, some problem somewhere was a straw that broke the camel's back and it has now motivated Elon Musk to reassess everything and run a tighter ship. Maybe my interpretation of that is way off, but uh, take a listen. Maybe by the end of this segment, you'll have a, you'll have a better idea of what you think here. So Here's the first excerpt, Elon saying, quote, starting today, meaning this was last this past week, starting today at Giga, uh, meaning Gigafactory, and tomorrow at Fremont, we will be stopping 
for three to five days to do a comprehensive set of upgrades. This should set us up for Model 3 production of 3,000 to 4,000 per week next month, referring to the month of May. So that, that time is now over by the time you hear this. And as you know, they've done it before. It's normal in manufacturing. Tesla, it's done it, done, been very, very recently by Tesla themselves. You have to stop in order to implement all of your upgrades to then go faster. Nothing significant here yet. Next excerpt, Elon's saying, another set of upgrades starting in late May should be enough to unlock production capacity of 6,000 Model 3 vehicles per week by the end of June. Please note that all areas of Tesla and our suppliers will be required to demonstrate a Model 3 capacity of approximately 6,000 per week by building 850 sets of car parts in 24 hours, no later than June 30th. And here's where I want to pause things. Because it seems to me that Elon has realized that he needs to aim a bit higher on the production goal in order to hit the number he actually wants. You know, as, as you guys know, that Tesla has been missing their goals by a bit, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. So now Elon is setting the bar higher so that they can hopefully hit the real goal if and when they miss the higher ideal goal. Now, if they did somehow get there, 6,000 cars per week heading into Q3 would be absolutely huge since that is when the federal tax credit phase out looks like it's going to be triggered right at the beginning of Q3. Next up, Elon Musk saying, any Tesla department or supplier that is unable to do this will need to have a very good explanation why not, along with a plan for fixing the problem and present that to me directly. If anyone needs help achieving this, please let me know as soon as possible. We are going to find a way or make a way to get there. Uh, I have to say, I would not want to be in one of those meetings with Elon. You know, except, I will say, when Elon says, if anyone needs help, please let me know ASAP, I'm actually inclined to believe that he's serious about that, that he would actually uh, give that help in a, in a productive uh, and non-threatening way. Because he, he honestly, he doesn't strike me as the kind of boss who would just be giving lip service on something like that by just saying that and not actually meaning it if someone did, a team did reach out needing some help on a, on a particular problem. Next up, quote, by having a Model 3 subsystem burst build requirement of 6K by the end of June, we will lay the groundwork for achieving a steady 6,000 per week across the whole Model 3 system a few months later. So I paused right here when I was reading this because I was just all excited about 6,000 cars per week or maybe even 5K. You know, that's the, the ultimate goal and six is just a cherry on top. So I was get super excited about that at the end of Q2. Uh, be, why? Because not only does it mean more of us get our cars, but that's what we're waiting on for all-wheel drive is for that 5,000 run rate per week to get hit before all-wheel drive starts up. But here's the thing. Am I interpreting this correctly? Is Elon Musk saying 
it's just a burst of 6,000 cars per week at the end of Q2, and that means it's not actually a sustainable production rate. So that's that's what I took it there. And then and then he says they'll they'll actually get to the sustainable part of that at the end of Q3, which is, you know, he says he's saying that's the a few months later that he's referring to. So um, not entirely sure what to make of this. Next up here, quote, as part of the drive towards 6K, all Model 3 production at Fremont will move to 24-7 operations. This means that we will be adding another shift to general assembly, body, and paint. Please refer anyone you know who you think meets the Tesla bar for talent, drive, and trust. Between Fremont and Giga, Tesla will be adding about 400 people per week for several weeks. That is some insane hiring. Uh, so but if you have manufacturing experience and you've ever wanted to work for Tesla, this may be the time. I would start checking their careers page on a daily basis. Also, I, I took notice of the word trust in there. Very interesting that Elon would would choose the word trust as the uh, efforts by the UAW to unionize Tesla have continued. I don't know if there's any, if that's what he's sort of making reference to there or just a general trust as in trust them to just do a good job rather than come in and, and slack off. I'm not entirely sure what he's referring to by trust there, but I thought it was very interesting that he he chose that word to include. Next segment. Quote, A fair criticism leveled at Tesla by outside critics is that you're not a real company unless you generate, generate a profit, meaning simply that revenue exceeds costs. It didn't make sense to do that until reaching economies of scale, but now we are there. Going forward, we will be far more rigorous about expenditures. I have asked the Tesla finance team to comb through every expense worldwide, no matter how small, and cut everything that doesn't have a strong value justification. So to me here, he is acknowledging that it's put up or shut up time for Tesla as far as uh, its profitability goes. And again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I wonder if Elon senses that investors are about, if maybe they, he feels like they're about out of patience with his continual, we'll get there soon statements that he seems to make every quarter that, that have, have yet to quite get accomplished when he's telling those impatient investors they'll get accomplished. You know, he's, it's, it's a continual uh, moving of the goalposts in sometimes small and sometimes big ways. And, and I wonder if he senses that they're, the patience of investors is, is running out. Next segment. Quote, I have been disappointed to discover how many contractor companies are interwoven throughout Tesla. Often, it is like a Russian nesting doll of contractor, subcontractor, sub-subcontractor, etc. before you finally find someone doing actual work. This means a lot of middle managers are adding cost, but not doing anything obviously useful. Also, many contracts are essentially open time and materials, not fixed price and duration, which creates an incentive to turn molehills into mountains as they never want to end the money train. There is a very wide range of contractor performance from excellent to worse than a drunken sloth. 
all contracting companies should consider the coming week to be a final opportunity to demonstrate excellence. Any that fail to meet the Tesla standard of excellence will have their contracts ended on Monday. So here Elon Musk drops the hammer. Get on board or get off the train. Our way or the highway. You're either with us or against us, etc., etc., whatever phrase you want to use for it. I suspect there will be a lot of contractors and subcontractors who are going to find themselves no longer in business with Tesla starting this week. So then he goes into some tips, basically, some, some suggestions for efficiency at the company. He, sa- he says, get rid of frequent meetings unless you're dealing with an extremely urgent matter. Meeting frequency should drop rapidly once the urgent matter is resolved. Uh, can, can we just apply that to every single company everywhere and not just Tesla, please? I like the sound of that as someone who, uh, who works in a company with meetings. Technically, I, I don't have, I'm, it's, I'm lucky. I don't have too, too many of them, but who likes meetings? Next, next, uh, productivity efficiency suggestion he gives is, Walk out of a meeting or drop off a call as soon as it is obvious you aren't adding value. It's not rude to leave. It's rude to make someone stay and waste their time. Uh, he's not wrong about that, by the way. We, we're pretty good. We do that at IGN. You know, we'll, people will drop off calls. We'll head, you know, people will duck out once their sort of portion of a meeting is done. So can't, can't argue with him on that one. A few more here. He says... Don't use acronyms or nonsense words for objects, software, or processes at Tesla. In general, anything that requires an explanation inhibits communication. We don't want people to have to memorize a glossary just to function at Tesla. So I have to say, this sounds to me like frustration on his part about the overall situation because this does seem like an oddly nitpicky thing to address in a company-wide memo. I don't know, maybe, maybe... Various departments have established their own weird code words and lingo that that he's just tired of, uh, but it just seemed like a strange thing to pick on in, in this particular context. Here's the next bit. Communication should travel via the shortest path necessary to get the job done, not through the, quote, chain of command. Any manager who attempts to enforce chain of command communication will soon find themselves working elsewhere. A major source of issues is poor communication between departments. The, be- the way to solve this is to, allow, uh, is to allow free flow of information between all levels. If, in order to get something done between departments, an individual contributor has to talk to their manager, who talks to a director, who talks to a VP, who talks to another VP, who talks to a director, who talks to a manager, who talks to someone doing the actual work, then super dumb things will happen. It must be okay for people to talk directly and just make the right thing happen. He's said this several times before, though never in quite that exquisite detail. So I wonder, the fact that he has said this a few times before, I wonder if it doesn't get implemented or maybe doesn't last long when it does get reminded and implemented because... You know, I I think in general, people are, maybe they're afraid of repercussions from their immediate bosses if they're going, you know, crossing lines, uh, crossing departments and just going, you know, breaking away from the traditional uh, 
chain of command. I, I don't know. that. I just found that interesting because, again, he has said this a few times before in the past. And the last point that I wanted to read to you from his, uh, his company-wide memo, he says, quote, In general, always pick common sense as your guide. If following a, quote, company rule is obviously ridiculous in a particular situation such that it would make for a great Dilbert cartoon, then the rule should change. Uh, awesome reference, by the way, to the pointy-haired, inept boss in the Dilbert comic strip. Uh, so what to make of this? I, I have to say, overall here, my feelings are that, uh, number one, you do not hear a lot of CEOs communicate to employees this directly and this bluntly. As those of you who know me know, I am very much an honesty is the best policy kind of person. So I feel like if I worked at Tesla, I would respond well to this kind of communication. But overall, to me, this sounds like a belt tightening, whip cracking kind of move on Elon's part. And I wonder if this is what he was referring to uh, on the CBS This Morning interview that I played the clips for you last week, uh, this, if this is him, what he was referring to when he said that he, was, he could see the path out of production hell. I wonder if this was the vision that, that he laid out and is now implementing uh, at the company. I mean, clearly that path out of the production hell is not going to be easy, but here's the thing. He knows that once they get over that hump, Tesla is golden at that point. They're, they will be unstoppable. They're, they're going to be forever profitable once they're making 6,000 Model 3s a week. And at that point, nothing. No fudsters, no dealership lobbies, nothing, in my opinion, will be able to stop them, except maybe themselves, if they were to somehow screw up something so badly that it... it torpedoed the whole operation but even i mean i i that seems like an, an almost impossible scenario but i just feel like you know it this is like the that final push up to the peak of everest you know they're they've base camp was set up years ago with the roadster and they've been slowly inching their way up the mountain battling all sorts of of uh elemental challenges and just human challenges and, you know, forces, you know, the, the battling their own uh, limitations and battling forces out of their control. And they, they're almost to the peak of Everest. They're almost to the summit. And once they get there, no one can ever take that away from them. So we'll see. This is going to be an extremely interesting second quarter to see how much progress Tesla makes during it and where they end up at the end of it. Because again, we are looking at the federal tax credit threshold being hit most likely in very early Q3, which again would mean the full federal tax credit is available to all Teslas uh, that, that take delivery by December 31st of this year, if indeed that is, that is how it goes. So uh, big time letter. That was the big news in Tesla this week, but we're not done. There were other interesting stories this week as well. Uh, Electrek reporting that Tesla's factory in China could start moving ahead soon thanks to the Chinese government relaxing a rule 
that uh, I've talked about this before, but in, if you don't recall, there's a rule that, that said that uh, the Chinese government had to have some sort of co-ownership of any factory, anything, any factory that was built on their soil. So uh, Electric reporting that the National Development and Reform Commission confirmed that, quote, all ownership restrictions will be lifted over a five-year transition period, but the restriction for electric vehicle producers will be the first to go as soon as this year. So this is great news for the world, by the way, since China is obviously such a huge producer of emissions along with the United States. I mean, if Tesla can get in there and start pumping out cars built in China that that, that don't have a, a you know tariff or an ownership stake, if, if Tesla can start selling those cars at very competitive prices in the Chinese market, then uh, they are going to be staring at an absolutely incredible amount of money that's that's potentially there to be made. And and remember that the rumor was that the Tesla plant in China was going to be located in Shanghai. So let's see if we get an official announcement on that in the coming months. I would not be surprised at all. And as uh, Daisy the Boxer Puppy drinks up, I will transition to the next story this week in the world of Tesla. If you're wondering, and it's, I think every Tesla owner wonders this, how long is your Tesla battery going to last once you get your car? Well, there's been some good news to report this week. An intrepid group of data-minded minded Tesla owners on the TMC forums, the Tesla Motors Club forums, there are folks from Belgium and the Netherlands, to be specific. Well, they started tracking the uh, health of the batteries over time and over mileage via crowdsourcing. So they've got a, a pretty good sample size. And in short, they have learned that you're probably going to be down about 5% of your total capacity in about the first 50,000 miles so quickly. But after that, you're looking at another 150,000 miles or so, thus 200,000 total miles, before you're down to 90% of your overall capacity from, from when you bought the car. So that's still going to leave you plenty of juice should you decide to keep your car for more years and more miles past that 200,000 mark. So that is really, really good news there for just uh, really, you know, for doubters, for people that just have, I mean, not just doubters, people that have the legitimate question of, hey, what's what's the longevity of these of these cells going to be? Well, now we've got some some real-world data that suggests that these cars are going to be very, very viable for a very, very long time. All right, the last story I have for you this week is, uh, is an interesting one. New Model 3 owners, uh, as many of you are and, and are going to be over the next month or two, and, and certainly more than that, new Model 3 owners are going to be greeted by a message in their cars that asks them for help in sourcing autopilot data from for Tesla as that ne- the, that ongoing quest towards full self-driving capability continues. So you're going to get in your car and you're going to see a screen that says, 
We are working hard to improve autonomous safety features and make self-driving a reality for you as soon as possible. In order to do so, we need to collect short video clips using the car's external cameras to learn how to recognize things like lane lines, street signs, and traffic light positions. The more fleet learning of road conditions we are able to do, the better your Tesla's self-driving ability will become. We want to be super clear that these short video clips are not linked to your vehicle identification number. In order to protect your privacy, we have ensured that there is no way to search our system for clips that are associated with a specific car. So, Tesla needs your data here, my friends. And I can't really imagine a lot of you opting out, especially with them being super clear up front that there's nothing nefarious going on with the data. They're not like weirdly selling it to someone for some reason. Now, the, the Model S and Model X fleet have obviously already been doing this, but by the end of the year, think about this, by the end of the year, Tesla's going to have a lot more data than they have today, thanks to, you know, they're going to be roughly 50% more Teslas on the road at the end of this year than they had total, cumulatively, at the start of 2018. Assuming, of course, that Model 3 can sustain at least that 5,000 run rate per week for most of the second half of the year. Now, remember, folks, no one else can do this. Nobody else can do this. No other automaker can do this because no one else's cars are always connected to the mothership. This is one of the many benefits, one of the excellent benefits of Tesla ownership. So hopefully this is going to lead to rapid, rapid improvement over the coming couple of years as, you know, an, an almost exponential number of new Teslas hit the road uh, in the form of, of mass-produced Model 3s. Alrighty, that wraps up the news segment for this week. Stay tuned, I'm going to be right back, and we'll get into the Ride the Lightning hotline for you that I uh, didn't get to last week, plus a few new calls in from this week as well. So lots of excellent topics to discover. I hope you'll stick with me and stay tuned right after this. Before I get to your phone calls, I want to remind you again about Evoto. If you find yourself in or around Montreal, you are already off to a good start. It's a beautiful city. If you happen to be there, why not make that trip better by getting yourself around town in a Tesla? Evoto is a car rental service that is inspired by Tesla themselves in both customer service and sustainability. They've got S's to rent, X's to rent, Model 3's on the way, and they will not only provide you unlimited mileage in the Tesla that you rent, they'll bring the car to you, and they're going to plant 10 trees with every rental in partnership with trees.org. You can park your car securely in their garage while you're out and about in one of their Teslas. Please learn more if you're interested at evoto.ca. That's E-V-O-T-O dot C-A. All right, Ride the Lightning Hotline time. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, I would absolutely love to hear from you because I love this part of the show. Love getting different voices, different opinions, different thought processes involved here. So you can participate very easily in one of two ways. You can either record something using your smartphone's built-in voice recorder and just email the file right to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com 
or I've got a toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline set up where you can just call and leave a message. Just leave your question right on the voicemail there. Try to keep your question to about a minute, minute and a half tops if you can. So that option, the toll-free number, the hotline, is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And let me remind you about lifeonrecord.com. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. You can podcast with them or put them onto a keepsake, lifeonrecord.com, for more information there. Let's kick it off with Garth from the Gold Coast of Australia has a Model 3 reservation, and he's got a couple questions about the car. Let's see if we can help him out. Garth, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Garth from the Audio Pizza Podcast in sunny, or at least at the moment, Gold Coast, Australia. I'm a Model 3 reservation holder. Not a day one, more of a week one, but <laughs> living here in Australia, it doesn't matter how early I uh, got that reservation in. You know, it's going to be a little while yet, I think. I'm hoping at this point before the end of 2019. I think the general rule with Tesla is to expect everything to take twice as long as it's supposed to, and, and you might not be disappointed. I will send greetings from my guide dog, Earl, to Daisy. And as you might expect, someone with a guide dog, I'm blind <laughs> now. Um, and I guess the fact that uh, it may take quite some time before I get my Model 3 will give us a bit more time for the actual self-driving to come along. I'm still expecting at this point to have the Model 3 a long time before full self-driving is available and also before the appropriate legislation is in place to allow for full self-driving. The day that I can jump in that car and let it take me to work, let it come home and serve my wife for the day and uh, come pick me up in the afternoon is one that I am really looking forward to. But as I said, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> uh, this will primarily be my wife's car, obviously, until full self-driving comes along and then I'll be stealing that thing back off her. <laughs> Anyway, my question is around charging. Now we know how far we can get on a full charge and how many kilowatts the batteries are. Let's say we have a 70 kilowatt battery, for example. To take that from zero to fully charge, does it actually use 70 kilowatts of power out of the socket? Or does it take more than that? Is there leakage? It's pretty straightforward to find out how much it costs per kilowatt to actually get power out of the socket. What I'm wondering, though, is if all of that energy is translated into actually charging the battery or if there's some inefficiencies there like there are in most systems. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's anything else in that equation that we need to consider. Thank you so much for the show, Ryan, and keep up the great work. Hi, Garth. Thanks for calling in. And I hope you do indeed get your car soon. I think you're wise to figure on end of 2019 since... Elon had said right-hand drive cars wouldn't start production until mid-2019. So end of 2019 seems like a, a nice conservative expectation. And if they beat it for you, if they get it to you sooner, great. Now, who knows? That, here's the thing. Who knows if they're going to prioritize the UK over you guys as far as right-hand drive cars? I don't know. Anyway, to answer your question, quite simply, yes, there are some charging inefficiencies, just like with anything else. I mean, it's not enough to make a material difference in your cost of operation, if, if that's what you're curious about. Oh, uh, and one more thing, by the way. If your wife is going to be the primary driver of the Model 3 for a time after you receive it, 
You may want to expect, given what I've read from plenty of other folks on the forums, you may want to expect that she's going to fall in love with the car to the, degree, to the degree that you might not get it back from her. So uh, you might need to plan on buying a second one and being a two Tesla household. Just uh, just food for thought. I don't know. That might, that might be a terrifying thought to you. Or it might be a super cool, exciting thought. I'm not sure which one, but cheers, Garth. Thank you so much. Next up, I want to go to Quinn in San Diego, who wanted to t- uh, tell me about a fun little game he plays with his four-year-old in their car. Quinn, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Quinn from San Diego, California here. Just wanted to share a game I created with my four-year-old son on the days I take him to school. It started with him starting to be able to recognize the Tesla. And, well, he realizes how big a fan I am, and he wants to be a fan too, and he absolutely loves them. So I created a game where when I'm driving him to school, if we see a Tesla, we win. If we don't, we lose. But I decided to one-up that recently and say, if we see a Model 3, we hit the grand prize. No matter what, we have to go get ice cream later that day. Well, my wife and my stepdaughter love this idea so much, even they're in on it. Unfortunately, last week we ended up seeing three Model 3s all on our own. So a lot of ice cream later... We all seem to be super excited about the Model 3 coming, even if my wife is scared to half to death of autopilot. Love the podcast. Thank you very much. Take care. I tell you, Quinn, I love hearing that I'm not the only one who's doing this kind of thing with their kid. (laughs) Although you might want to think of a way to gracefully transition out of that grand prize pretty soon, though, or else you're going to have a kid that eats nothing but ice cream. Production is ramping up. And you, my friend, live in San Diego, not exactly a place where Tesla sightings are rare, as you no doubt know yourself. So maybe you could just tweak the game, like make it a certain color Tesla each time you go out, like pick a different color every time you get in the car and head out. I don't know, like uh, maybe you have red one day, white another day. I talked at the top of the show about how anecdotally I feel like the, the regular silver seems to be the least common Model 3 that I'm seeing around. Maybe maybe uh, if there's a day you, you particularly don't want to have to give them ice cream for some reason, you'd make that silver day. I don't know, but uh, that's, that's a really cute, adorable story. I love it. Thanks for sharing, Quinn. Next up, I want to go to a caller who identifies herself as owning a Tesla in the city. I like that. Uh, I like that handle. Uh, she actually called in. This is a, this is a reader's service. She walks you through what to expect after you confirm your order. I thought this would just be a good informative thing uh, to play for people who, who maybe can, it can help sort of visualize the process for them. So uh, go ahead. Hey, everyone. Owning a Tesla in the city from Twitter here. And I just wanted to share my experience with configuration and how that whole experience goes. So March 22nd, I got my configuration invite. I did not get an email, so make sure you're also refreshing your Tesla account. And I configured immediately. You choose your zip code where you want to do delivery. So if you want to do delivery closer to the factory, like Portland, Oregon, which has no sales tax um, besides your home sales tax, you can choose that kind of zip code there. You choose your finance method whether you're doing cash or Tesla finance. Tesla finance is not available in all states, but you can still finance your vehicle through some other bank. 
and um, you pay $2,500 via a credit card. The rest of the payments in the future are not um, payable by credit card. And once you make this $2,500 payment, then that and your reservation are non-refundable. And after that, I refreshed my Tesla account constantly. Finally, on March 31st, I got a VIN assigned in the upper 12,000s. And you need the VIN for the vast majority of your insurance and financing quotes, just so you know. And you can call the Tesla 888 phone number that they have listed online if you have any questions. They're so nice. A lot of things online are a little bit confusing the way it's worded on the Tesla account. And it's much easier to just ask the person over the phone and quickly get your questions answered. I got a delivery specialist assigned from Las Vegas on April 2nd. I found this out because I proactively was calling Tesla, not because they reach out to me. And I don't have a referral code yet. And they say I have to wait until I take delivery and they pair the car with my Tesla app. But I'm excited about getting that. And right now my car is just sitting in Fremont. It's been produced and they're waiting to get it transported to the East Coast. So that's my experience so far over the last two weeks. Good luck, everyone, with your configurations. Bye. Thank you very much for that. It's good to watch out for those couple of things that you mentioned as well, like the non-refundable deposit and the timing of the referral code there. So I hope you get your delivery date locked in soon. Enjoy that car and drive it in good health. Next up is a regular caller. Michael from Milbray shares his experience taking his first road trip in the Model 3. Michael, please tell us about it. Hey, Ryan, Michael from Milbray. want to try to give you a hopefully brief impression on a, uh, my first road trip in the Model 3. Took the family down to Disneyland. Uh, just got 10.5 software update, so we had a wonderful experience with autopilot the whole drive down. Um, I did drive uh, past the 85-101 interchange in the same lane where that uh, gentleman had been killed in his Model X. That was a bit freaky, but the autopilot did handle it just fine. Um, obviously I was ready to take over if anything were to happen. Um, let's see, charged once at Kettleman City. Uh, pretty awesome to, to see that massive charge station. Uh, it only had about 10 cars in it at the time, but uh, room for 40. Um, went across the street, they had, had uh, in and out over there. Um, charged uh, again at the hotel, uh, all the way up to 100%, had like 305 was the, uh, the mileage that was available, but um, when we left a few days later, it had gone down 40 miles, so that was unfortunate, but it was enough to get us back to Kettleman City for a round trip back home. Uh, charging overall uh, cost $27.51 for that round trip. Um, seats were super comfortable. Uh, I never felt any discomfort or, or needing to change position or get out and stretch on the whole drive, so that was that was awesome. Um, Overall, the trip was trip was great, super relaxing drive, and uh, looking forward to doing another one. Anyway, take care. Bye. Thank you, Michael. There is one key piece of information in there, as far as I'm concerned, and that is there's an In-N-Out burger across the street from the Kettleman Supercharger? Yes! Yes! That is music to my ears. 
I know I don't talk about it much on this podcast, but any of you who may listen to me over on IGN know that I am an In-N-Out Burger super fan. Uh, the 3x3 plain, just a plain triple cheeseburger with well-done fries. That is my order. That is my jam. I love In-N-Out so much. Uh, nothing against anyone else, by the way. I know whenever I say that or like tweet, talk about it on Twitter or anything, I always get like people just start throwing this burger is better. Like there are, there's so many good burgers. Um, but I, I love in and out. I'm so, so grateful that we have it out here in California, but I, yeah, Shake Shack also super phenomenal. I've gotten to try that several times. It's, you know, started on the East, really the Northeast, uh, Northeastern seaboard, you know, the sort of New York on, on, uh, New England kind of area. And they've, they've been spreading around the country and, we're we're not we are finally getting one in the Bay Area this summer, but anyway, yeah. For me, In and Out, the best cheap food you can get. Uh, so the fact that there will there is one next to a supercharger means that I'm going to be that's like the perfect it's perfect timing because but from ordering it, In and Out's usually busy. So ordering it, the waiting, and then the eating it. Oh, you, you come back to your car, you're, you're done. You're charged. That, that's like the perfect amount of time, the perfect way to spend your, your supercharging time in Kettleman. Anyway, uh, people will no doubt really like hearing, Michael, that you had a very, very positive experience on your first Model 3 road trip. I would be curious about what your watt hours per mile were, but um, just, as, just as a point of data, really. But to me, the other key part of your call, the real key part, <laughs> not the in and out part. I'm just just kidding around there. But uh, the key part of your call was your fuel costs. Under $28 for the whole trip. And uh, Michael is from here in the Bay Area. And so his round trip, I actually just, just sort of did a spot check, uh, just putting in his town and, and Disneyland, uh, Milbrae, into uh, the into Google Maps, and it's it's almost 800 miles round trip on the dot, like almost on the dot. So in an average 30 mile per gallon family ICE car, that would have cost him about $93 using $3.50 a gallon Bay Area prices here. Uh, gas has been going up. I don't know about other other areas of the country, but it's been going up in the Bay Area, and it's like everything else, it's more expensive here to begin with. So his fuel costs were about, even with having to pay for supercharging, were about one-third of those of a comparable ICE car. That is great. That is great stuff right there. I hope to do that exact trip with my family in my future Model 3 someday as well. I really would love to use the car as an excuse to go to Disneyland. Uh, we'll get there. It's uh, We'll get there. It'll happen. Thank you, Michael. Next call comes to another regular caller, uh, Ramey from the Netherlands, who had an up-close and personal encounter with a Model 3 in Europe. Yes, here's Ramey to tell you about it. Hey, Ryan, this is Ramey, your friend from the Netherlands. I'm a little excited because yesterday I saw, I had my first time that I saw a Tesla Model 3 up close. Uh, actually, it was the first time that I saw a Tesla Model 3, period. And I also got the opportunity to drive it because Yu Yu, everybody knows him from Facebook, he's here in Europe and he was in the Netherlands and near Amsterdam. 
and I got the chance to drive the Tesla Model 3 and for me it was the first time that I saw it and I'm really stoked and excited uh, I drove it and it's a great experience the car is really fast I don't see any point in getting upgrades performance wise um, yeah it's a great car uh, everyone who hasn't seen or driven it yet and has a reservation you won't be sorry because it's a great car I'm someone driving about 20,000 miles every year so I want my car to be as convenient as possible and I think that Tesla Model 3 really delivers on that thank you for taking my call I listen to your podcast every week thanks bye Oh, I know you listen every week, Rami, and I very, very much appreciate it. You have been very supportive of this podcast for a long time. And and the reason I wanted to play this call isn't just because Rami is a nice guy. It's because that is a big moment for him and everyone who has taken part in UU's European tour. Remember, my friends, that no reservation holders outside of North America have even seen the car, that no one has even seen the Model 3 in person on European soil. They've, they've maybe, you know, some of you have no doubt flown over here. In fact, I've met up with, uh, with one of you. But the, these, these reservation holders have had the same two-year wait we've all had, but they've only had photos from the internet, videos from the internet, which can't quite replicate the experience of seeing a car's lines and proportions with your own eyes, let alone getting to sit in it and even drive it. So credit to you, you for doing this. Despite, if you remember, Tesla advised him not to. You remember when I did that story way back? Uh, so, and the reason that I, that I give credit to you, you is for no other reason than just bringing this kind of joy, the kind of joy that you heard in Ramey's voice, bringing that joy to European Model 3 reservation holders who can finally see the car in the metal uh, for the very first time. So thanks, Ramey, for that call. Next up, Peter from Boston has a question about the Tesla roof. That doesn't come up very often here on the show, but we'll see what we can do. Peter, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Peter here from a rather cold Boston again. I've got a question for you and your listeners. Uh, like many folks on this podcast, we have owned a Tesla now for quite a while and opted to put down a deposit last year for the Powerwall and the new solar shingles that Elon announced. A question, have any of your listeners actually installed the solar shingles yet? And do you know if current Tesla owners get a priority on the wait list? Thanks, Ryan. Enjoy the podcast as always. Hey, Peter, the solar roof tile installations for Tesla have only just begun. Tesla, in fact, had, had very recently tweeted out one of the very first owner's homes, a picture of their home, the roof, uh, just a couple weeks or so ago. And, and I don't believe that owners get priority, though if you do refer five people with your referral code, you, you can choose to get an early access token for the solar roof. It's, it's not a free roof and it's not a discount, but it is a bump up to uh, further up in the line. So I hope that helps answer your question. I, I know it's maybe not quite uh, what you were hoping for, but uh, hopefully it's, it's some help to you. Sticking in Boston, let's go to Mike in Boston, who got his invitation, wanted to share some news there. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, it's Mike from Boston. 
I got my email to configure my Model 3. Finally, over two years after day one when I put down my $1,000. Um, I was so excited. I went in, I configured immediately, and I screwed up. I ordered the 19-inch wheels when I really wanted the 18. The next day, I got in touch with my service sales person, whatever they're called, and asked them to change it and found out there's a $500 penalty. Bummer. But they waived it because it was so soon after the order. So all is good. Thank you, Tesla. I got the multi-coat red. I can't wait for the all-wheel drive, although I'd love to. I have 218,000 miles on my A4, and I need a car as soon as possible. I also got the multi-coat red, probably because of you, Ryan. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm super excited. Thanks for your enthusiasm, and thanks for the podcast. Congratulations, Mike. I can actually hear that energy still radiating out of your voice, and that is going to be a great car. And it should arrive just as the snow is clearing out of Boston, based on what I've been hearing from my East Coast friends. So get your detailing products stocked up, get your charger installed, and get ready to have some fun with that car. Remember, by the way, that you can listen to this podcast right from your Tesla as well. So maybe now you can turn your Ride the Lightning time into a weekly Sunday drive where you have the show on in your car. Regardless, enjoy, Mike. Uh, let's see, just a few more calls here this week. Again, lots of good stuff to cover. Got uh, all that, all those calls from last week to catch up on, plus the good stuff from this week as well. I want to go now to Robert from Piedmont, California, uh, with a uh, particular concern about his Tesla. Let's see if we can help him out. Robert, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's Robert from the Bay Area, Piedmont, California. I've got a Tesla Model X Autopilot 1 in Texas, and I've got a Tesla a Model X Autopilot 2.0 uh, in the Bay Area, and my wife drives a Tesla Model S. We absolutely love your show. Uh, I listen to it every week. We love Tesla and love the cars. Um, I'm probably a Tesla fanatic, uh, similar to yourself. Um, there is one area that I think Tesla really needs to improve on, and I'm hoping you can help me to get them to improve on it, and that is body shop work. Um, my wife uh, damaged her Tesla Model S uh, in the garage area, uh, and it went into the body shop in January and we still have not got it back. It's three months later. And my impression is that what happens is it's just a lot of coordination between Tesla, uh, the complexity of the car and the body shop work that needs to be done, getting the right parts, calibrating, et cetera, et cetera. And this is an area that in the future, I'm hoping that Tesla can take more direct control over either the management of, uh, uh, fixing the vehicle uh, and managing the process with the body shop or actually doing it in-house. So I don't know if you've heard similar complaints from other people. Again, this is all out of a positive uh, input to try and help Tesla be a better company because the rest of the car experience is absolutely amazing. And I love the software updates and I love driving my car and I love using autopilot uh, the right way, being careful with it. Um, but, um, uh, the whole experience with the, with the Tesla Model X and S is amazing. Thank you very much. 
Take care. Bye-bye. Robert, thank you for calling in and thank you for the kind words about the podcast. I do think that a three-month wait in the body shop, and it sounds like you don't even have an end date in sight, that's not acceptable. I mean, I appreciate very much that you sound very patient about the whole thing and very level-headed about it, because, quite frankly, not everyone would be. The problem here uh, is that John McNeil is gone. He, as you may have known, if you've been listening, he was the head of service for Tesla, but he left and he is not being replaced. Elon Musk is taking over the head of uh, sales and service himself. And you can't direct message Elon about your problem on the Tesla Motors Club forums like you could with John. And tweeting Elon, as we all know, is a crapshoot. Now, what I would recommend to you in order to make this uh, a productive uh, thing for you and not just to, not just to, you know, offer up sympathy and nothing else, I, I do have one constructive suggestion, and that is to log into your My Tesla account, click on support, and then click executive escalation. Hopefully doing that will get your issue flagged for someone who can try to get things moving for you. Tesla, as you may remember, was supposed to be doubling their number of authorized body shops, but the thing is, we honestly have no idea if that's actually happened yet or if it's still in progress. So, fingers crossed for you, Robert. I hope you can get that car squared away very, very soon. Next up is Stephen from Toronto, uh, who wants to talk a little Model Y. Let's do that with Stephen. Hey, Ryan. Stephen here from near Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, a Model 3 reservation holder, although I bought a BMW i3 last October, so uh, not sure if I'm going to take delivery of the Model 3 yet, depending on a lot of factors. Uh, what I'm calling about is uh, the discussion last week about Model Y production at Fremont. Um I think by the time Model Y production comes around, Tesla should be just about caught up with the backlog of Model 3. And since the Model Y is based on the Model 3, it'll likely be pretty easy to build it on the same line. Um, so you could be looking at 5,000 a week Model 3 and 5,000 a week Model Y, or any variation of the two, depending on uh, production needs. Uh, just my two cents from an automotive manufacturer employee here in Ontario, Canada. I won't say at which manufacturer. Anyway, thanks for the show and talk to you soon. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen, and thank you for the call. Uh, this is an interesting thought. It it does make a lot of sense, but there's there's just one potential flaw in that notion that I can find. And that is, if Model 3 demand remains at 10,000 cars per week, which is what it should be getting up to by that point, then Tesla is probably not going to want to reduce production on that car in order to get going on the Y, on the same line. And I can't imagine that Model 3 production is going to have tailed off at all by the fall of 2019, when Model Y production is supposed to start, allegedly, because, as you mentioned, they'll have only just worked through the backlog not too long before then. And word of this car, meaning the Model 3, not the Y, is only going to spread 
causing what'll probably be a heck of a lot more orders. Remember, Tesla hasn't even done any proper advertising for the Model 3 or any of their cars, for that matter. So we'll see what happens. I, I remain very, very curious about how Model Y production, or I guess where Model Y production is going to happen. Two more calls for you this week. Uh, first up, the, the penultimate call this week. Mike from Charlottesville has a what I think is a very useful suggestion for Model 3 specifically. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Mike from Charlottesville again. So I drive very often and frequently with uh, Waze, and oftentimes it's right in my the periphery, the peripheral vision on my right side where I have it mounted. And I'm often looking for uh, the mileage, mile per hour on the gauge with Waze. And they do something very easy to indicate if you're speeding. The actual speed will turn red. So I was thinking for Tesla, it's something that can easily implement into their cars and would solve many issues with the speed gauge for the Model 3 being, you know, right in your right peripheral vision. If they just change a color, if you speed, maybe the speed turns red or it blinks red at you really quick to indicate that you're speeding. And maybe... Um, that, that would allow for people to not really have to necessarily know exactly what speed they're going, but rather that they're speeding and need to slow down. Um, just wanted to see what you think, and I'll talk to you soon later. Mike, I wish I had more to say in response to this besides just, yep, <laughs> that's an excellent, simple idea that Tesla should totally implement. I mean, why not, right? You can still speed if you want to. It's just, as you said, giving you a way to quickly know that you are speeding using your peripheral vision. So hopefully somebody from the Tesla software team is listening and might put that on their feature roadmap. Good stuff as always, Mike. Thank you so much. Taking us home this week is Eric in San Diego. Uh, shout out to San Diego, representing Strong this week. Uh, Eric has a couple of questions about the Model 3 reservation and ordering process. So, Eric, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Eric from San Diego. Been a listener since the beginning and a long-time listener to Unlocked and your stuff at IGN. Really appreciate everything you do. I actually called in a few years back about the rear-facing seats and uh, on the S, and I went ahead and looked at the S, and then the 3 information came out. So here I am now. I actually got my order in for the Model 3, and... Just got invited. Um, I was an April 1st um, sort of um, reservation holder. So I have two questions for you on the Model 3. One, since I was April 1st, not first day, I'm actually surprised I got invited already to do my configuration. So I just wanted to get your comments and thoughts on sort of where in the line of those 100,000 orders in the first day people are at. There must be quite a few that have deferred for perhaps the um, dual motor. But I'm very excited now to have my, my uh, delivery coming soon. Um, that leads to my sort of question on the VIN updates because I haven't heard much from people. I've seen things on the Tesla forums on taking some time to get um, your actual VIN assigned and then be able to go ahead and, and, and get your order or your, your delivery date. So um, I've seen up to a month after getting the uh, configuration done. So I just wanted to see if you had any comments or questions on that. And then um, my other question or comment was on the fit and finish of the Model 3. Uh, I have some friends who've actually gotten theirs delivered. And although the car is absolutely fantastic, and I'm super excited to get mine, the uh, I've noticed some panel issues, and some some issues where things don't quite line up on the exterior. I don't know if that's something that'll be a, a longer term issue, or if when cars are being delivered now in the second quarter, third quarter, they'll get those worked out. 
So just wanted to get your thoughts on those items. Um, do want to thank you again for everything that you do. I wanted to do a shout out for your, your sorry, your um, unfiltered podcast and, and, and your uh, unfiltered uh, interviews. That's something I don't think gets enough attention. I think you've done a fantastic job with those over at IGN, and I think it brings a, a gravitas to uh, the industry. So thank you for everything you do. Uh, kids get a good good um, kick out of hearing their dad on your podcast the first time, so if I get on it, I will definitely play it for them. And when the car arrives, I'll give you an update on, on what goes on with our Model 3. Thanks so much again for everything you do. Uh, hope to hear from you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for the kind words, Eric. I appreciate that. To tackle your punch list real quick here, and hold that thought, by the way, if you're wondering why the heck I said punch list, first of all, where you are in line is just impossible to peg. There are simply too many variables, like your geographical location, which in your case is favorable to you, the fact that you're taking first production and not deferring for dual motor or standard battery or white seats, etc. And no need to worry about it now, though, because you've got your invite. That's the awesome news. As to the VIN number, I would keep checking your My Tesla page, and if a few weeks happen to go by from when you confirm your order, uh, you can give Tesla a call to check on it. My, I mentioned my coworker Todd at the top of the show. Uh, he uh, got his VIN number the next day after confirming his order, so it can it can be very quick. But it's not always that quick, uh, as we know. The cars are not being custom produced; they're just being produced in batches according to paint color and wheel type, and so. You know, it sounds like Todd may have lucked out and that there may have already been a car that in Fremont, you know, of course they're all, they all come from Fremont, but they're, you know, a car sort of coming out of Fremont, uh, that that's was a silver with the sport wheels car that they said, okay, well we've, there's one, let's assign it to this guy who that, cause that's what he ordered. So, uh, patience, but, but also don't be too patient keep tabs on it anyway. Um, There was a reason I mentioned a punch list a moment ago. I'm getting back around to that point. It is because you should be prepared to make a checklist of big things and little things alike that uh, you want to watch out for when you're taking delivery of the car. If you see something that isn't to your satisfaction, please document it for your delivery specialist. And what they should do is create a punch list for you, after which... They're going to book you an appointment at your nearest service center, and then at that service center appointment, that's when they should be taking care of those things from your punch list. I wouldn't worry too much about it. I've seen just as many folks say that their fit and finish is outstanding as I've seen folks who say it isn't. And remember, too, just by the nature of things you know, like a forum, complaints are far more likely to show up on a forum than when everything is great. You know, that's just, just, that's just human nature. That's just how things are, but be alert, be vigilant, document any issues that you, you have, uh, with the car, if there are any, and you're going to be just fine. So enjoy that car. Thank you all so, so much for your great calls this week and last in this case. Uh, and we are now back to square one with phone calls. So fresh week, fresh batch of calls is needed. If you want to talk Anything in the world of Tesla, you've got a question, you've got a comment, a discussion topic, a reply to something I said, a reply to something a caller said, please go ahead and call in, participate in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Again, you can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder and just email me 
your recording, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hot, hotline. The toll-free number there, again, 1-888-989-8752. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. Before I go, a few mentions here for those of you about to take delivery of Model 3 or SRX as well. Don't forget that Immaculate Reflections is the Bay Area's premier paint correction and coating specialist. They are not too far from the Tesla factory if you are picking up there uh, here in the Bay Area and, and at the free... Well, actually, it's the only place in the immediate Bay Area that you can pick up your car. You can't uh, it's, it's still, they're still just kicking them out right out of the Fremont Delivery Center. Anyway, uh, Immaculate Reflections, whether you want to do paint correction, you want to do new car delivery prep, ceramic coatings, including Seacourt's Finest Reserve, and or paint protection film, look them up, Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com is the website. They're also on Yelp and on Instagram, uh, Immaculate underscore Reflections there on Instagram. Check them out. Remember, 10% off coupon, any level of detailing from a basic wash clay bar wax service on up to paint correction, ceramic coating, everything. The coupon code RTL10, that is the code to give them. And they do offer a military discount as well. So, uh, and you can stack those. So if you've got your military ID or veteran ID, you've got 10% automatically for that. And you can stack that with the Ride the Lightning 10% discount. While I'm at it, I want to thank the folks at abstractocean.com for providing, continuing to provide, as they have for quite some time, the 20% off coupon code there. Abstract Ocean is a Tesla accessories website. They've got stuff for you and the car uh, between just various fun things like lanyards as well as lighting kits. The, the, again, the puddle lights are what I usually mention. That seems to be, from what I'm told by the Abstract Ocean folks, that is their their biggest seller, and that's definitely, that's, if I'm going to order one thing from them, it's definitely going to be those puddle lights, like, that's, uh, that's definitely high on my list, they've got the, you can get that Model S logo projected down, uh, from your door onto the ground, looks awesome at night, they've got the X logo, the Tesla T logo, the Model 3, Arabic number 3, the new, the new 3 logo, the original 3 horizontal lines 3 logo, pretty much all of it, so check it out, abstractocean.com use the coupon code RTL podcast all one word RTL podcast to check out to get 20% off of your very first order I want to say a big thank you to the patreon producers uh, you, you hear me mention every week but uh, if, you know if you do want to support my efforts here at the podcast patreon is the uh, most appreciated way to do that though certainly I just appreciate you listening but I'm on patreon if you see fit to uh, to support me there, you can see more details about that at patreon.com slash Podcast. And the following list of folks, super special thanks to them. They support me at the Patreon producer level to get the, uh, that's uh, $20 or higher per month. So big thanks to uh, David Nundahl, Eric Randolph, uh, David Kittle, Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, David Vakil, Rome Strack, Michael Callahan, Kenneth Martin, Harold Plug, 
Peter Chalet, Orion Coates, Lars Hoffman, Lee Sweet, Marcus Mayenshine, Tim Hyde, Sean Fournier, Richard Ouellette, Emotion Rentals, Jason Chalukas, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, Matthew Para, Logan Willis, Michael Oprey, Lisa Kaz, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, Paul Hussey, and Jeff Bartram. Thank you all so, so much. You can find me on Twitter if you happen to use that website. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. Again, the show email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's about it. Of course, I always love it if you subscribe to the podcast, which is obviously free. You can do that with any of the major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify now. Uh, and then there's the, the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn.com, where you can grab any individual show you want, as well as pick up the RSS feed if you want to subscribe pick that up that way. All right. I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Oh, uh, if you're buying an SRX, I'll give you my cousin Patrick's referral code. That's another way you can express, uh, you know, appreciation for the podcast, but more so more than that, it's just get that free unlimited lifetime supercharging. So it's Patrick five zero zero eight. Give that to your sales advisor or if you're shopping online for your Tesla, just punch in ts.la slash Patrick5008 into your web browser. That wraps it up for me and the slightly snoring Daisy the Boxer Puppy. It's been another fun show for me. Again, I, I am fueled by your positivity and your, your enthusiasm and energy that I get from you from your Ride the Lightning hotline calls, from your tweets, from your messages on Patreon. I just cannot thank all of you enough for your, your support in whatever form you're giving it. Like I said, if it's just, if it's just encouraging messages, man, like I said, I, I love it. It was, it was yet, another, yet another weird, just unnecessarily stressful week in, <laughs> in the video game world. Again, we're talking about an amazing fun hobby in video games, but no, some somehow, some way, every week there's a new, just like silly thing that I have to, that I have to deal with, as far as the the discussion around it. Let's just say that. And so, this podcast, uh, which I'm I'm so grateful to have anyone listening to, uh, let alone all of you, is uh, it's just again your. It, we I, we feel like we've carved out this just fun little just little pixel corner of the internet where we we just we just all it's just this community sharing of this awesome thing that we're all enthusiastic about together and and I really really just I get a lot out of it each week it, it really it really re, it reinvigorates me I have to say at the you know I do these shows most of the time on Friday night. And I guess it's kind of worked out. I didn't design it this way, but you know, at the end of a at the end of a work week, I do this, and it it reinvigorates me. I gotta say. So, thank you all so so much. I'm I'm rambling a bit now, and this is already a long show. So I will sign off. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see everybody again next week, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time.